Hi, I'm Darcy. And I'm Kelly. And thanks for joining us for... And, and Another, Another thing. thing. Where we talk about current events. Pop culture. Things we love. Things we don't. All slathered in gobs of laughter. And all the feels. So grab a drink, sit down, and join us for... And, and Another, Another thing, thing with Darcy and, and Kelly. The Podcast. This is Darcy. And this is Kelly. Hello. Um, today's podcast is titled, Somebody's, Somebody's Gotta, Gotta Do It. it. <laughs> <laughs> A couple episodes ago, we were talking about, what was it, the uh, the rat police or the... Yeah. Yes, the, the rat, the lady in New York who is the rat czar. Right. And then like weird jobs were like, hey, that could be a whole show. So we decided to do a whole show on jobs that we can't believe exist. Yes. And And here we are. Yes. First, we want to tell you if you're new here, if you hear this, take a drink of your beverage of choice. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. What you want to start off? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. This one just makes me laugh because if I were able-bodied, this is something I would love to do. Dog surfing instructor. <laughs> Just the dog? Yeah. So evidently, <laughs> teaching dogs to swim and surf is actually a really good paying job. It pays like 25 to $30 an hour. Okay. And it's mostly in California and Florida. There are some openings, mm. but yeah. Wow. You just get in the water with the dogs and you get them on a surfboard and teach them how to su- surf and swim. Wow. Yeah. Can you imagine? I, <laughs> I, I just, and that's a thing. That is that's a thing. That's a thing. Okay. This job is well-paying bingo manager <laughs> at the casinos. Oh, like at when they have the bingo parlors. Yes. Wow. So their responsibilities are to oversee and direct the daily operations of the bingo department, to approve the jackpots and payouts, and ensure compliance with federal and state regulations. I think I could do that. Totally. And here's the thing. It pays fifty to $108,000 a year. What the what? And as far as education goes, you probably have to start in a nursing home. Like, basically, they hire you <laughs> based on your experience. In bingo calling. Oh, But there's my like, you gosh. don't go to school to become a bingo manager. Like, you work your way up to a fancy casino, apparently. I can make $100,000 a year yep. calling. I, 32. Yep. And Isn't that awesome? 17. That is awesome. I love it. Okay, this one is probably more California and Colorado than anywhere else, but it is a cannabis connoisseur. Oh. And that's like a sommelier. Right. For pot well that makes sense yeah and like high-end pot and like high-end pot um, stores have this person there who will tell you about the strains and Mm. like this one helps you with that this one helps you with that and they uh, they taste test everything and there's actually a certificate program just like a sommelier oh that that makes sense yeah, yeah, that it's a pot connoisseur, cannabis connoisseur. Well, good for them. If you can combine the bingo and the pot, you could be wasted <laughs> and gambling all, all the, time. the time. And making more money than you might lose. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. There you go. So I definitely want this job. 
ice cream taster. Oh my gosh, that's right? a thing? It's like, a thing, also known as a taste tester or a food scientist. Yeah, I've, now, I've seen food scientists. Yeah, yeah flavorists so too. companies look for candidates to have a degree in dairy science or food science to be able to do this, as well as a high sensitivity to taste. Yeah. Now... <laughs> I'm imagining that that eliminates all smokers <laughs> from doing this job. But you know what's funny about that, Dars, is a lot of really, really great chefs are heavy mm -hmm. smokers. And I've never understood That's that. That's true. I've That's never true. understood how great chefs could be heavy smokers and and can still taste the food. But yeah, mm. I, I think that's right. Yeah. I don't understand it. And you can make sixty to $100,000 a year tasting Eating ice, ice cream? cream. Eating ice cream. Well, I think actually now that I think of it, the cannabis connoisseur and the ice cream. <laughs> Maybe taster, that should go hand in hand. That should go. Because you're you going to get the munchies, both. right? You should do both <laughs> and you should make $200,000 a year being cannabis slash ice yes. cream connoisseur. As a person who is desperately trying to find a side hustle to replace typing the news, which pays shit, I'm definitely looking into this ice cream tasting job. But Well, anyway. when I was, uh, you know, when I was um, researching today's show, there was like chocolate taster, mm -hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, that's not a weird job. Who wouldn't want to be? Although right. there is a dog food taster. I saw that too. Yes. I was like, humans actually paid to taste the dog food. Right. So just so you know, in case there's a zombie apocalypse and you've got dog food in the house, you can eat it too. Just saying. Right. Well, I think senior citizens have known that for a long That's time. That's true. Sorry. That is true. That okay. Is true. And I think we both have this together, but chicken sexer? Yes. Let's talk about it. Okay, these are people who... They're not having sex with chickens. Let's just make that clear, okay? <laughs> they take chicks and Baby chicks. they look at their junk all day and decide <laughs> if they're a hen or a rooster. And they have to rely heavily on their intuition because you can't really tell with a baby chick. Right, because it's not... Uh, yeah, yeah it doesn't have its see dangle. It in here and Audi at <laughs> yeah, so there is literally a job for a chicken mm -hmm. sexer and you can make up to $60,000 a year determining Looking the at genders chicken of chickens. Junk. Chicken all junk all day. <laughs> Looking at chicken junk. I have to say though, I wouldn't mind playing with baby chicks all day. Me that would too, be adorable. But would you want to look at their hoo-hahs all day? Not all day. I'd probably be curious at some point. <laughs> Just for like a couple hours. I'd probably be like, how do you know which? You know, I'd be like, maybe once or twice, but <laughs> that'd no, be it. I, I get that. Like, you'd be interested, but like. Because I've never Just... held a chick, so I'd probably go, what's between its little legs, you know? Oh, they're so They're so cute. sweet. I think in Girl Scouts, I, uh, I think we had baby chicks oh. and, yeah. I was in Brownies, and our leader had had a stroke, so she. We did nothing. We didn't do anything in brownies. So, anyway. Oh, my God. I know. That's like the saddest thing I've ever She heard. still wanted to do it, but she I don't remember ever hearing her speak anything, so I don't remember her name or anything, but Mom, mom took me out of brownies pretty soon because she's like, you're not doing anything. It's not worth the money. So, there we oh go. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. That's a whole other thing. That... Up next. Yes. And since I... I'm a wedding officiant. I've been ordained by the interwebs, the church of the interwebs. As am I. I found this interesting that I might also look into professional bridesmaids. 
can make eighteen to ninety-five thousand dollars a year. What? They are literally there to be like you know, our bridesmaids are our best friends, our siblings, right. and our sisters, and stuff like that. But they may not always be the most detail-oriented people. And also, well, isn't that a wedding planner? Or no, this is somebody. Well, this who, is somebody who is literally just there for the bride the whole day, and she makes all the decisions, you know. And so I kind of love this idea because me it too. releases the maid of and the rest of the bridesmaids to yeah. be able to just celebrate the wedding of their right. friend or their sister, right? Right. So they're just there to help the bride on the big day and, oh, it's time for cake. Oh, here comes the whatever. They can be a dress and wear the dress and be in the picture. Or be a dress. <laughs> or just they can just be a personal assistant who's just there hovering around wow. making things happen. Well, that- Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I, I just don't understand why that's mm-hmm. different than... And an uh, emotional consultant is a big part of that job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay, that's yeah. the difference. Because I was thinking, why is that not a wedding planner? Right. But you're saying there's the so emotional... probably a lot of keeping her calm and collected yeah, yeah, and from yeah, yeah. becoming a bridezilla. Right. And <laughs> I get that. You know, or dealing this with the families. This one I love. It's a chief sniffer. Chief sniffer. The head sniffer. Yes. Okay. So NASA has a guy, and right now it's George Aldrich. Okay. And his only job is to make sure there are no lingering or nauseating odors on any spacecraft that astronauts will be confined in. Which I think Brilliant. is amazing, right? I am a, a sniffy, sensitive person. Smells I am too. can give me a headache, and if I can't get away from too. it. I am too, and if you are, like, oh my trapped in a spacecraft with, like, something that smells like dirty feet. Ugh. Yeah, so he sniffs all the stuff wow. in the spacecraft before astronauts get I wonder on. what you make doing that and what the requirements are to get that job. Do you think uh, he's appointed by the president? Those are all excellent questions. I have that questions. we will. I could never qualify ad- because my sinuses suck, but <laughs> you must have to have just the most incredible sense of smell. Right. You know? Like somebody who does perfume or. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's a thing. And he's called the chief sniffer. My mind is pretty blown right now. Somebody's got to do it. George Aldridge, I'm sure you're listening to us. Please yes. let us know what your uh, you, you Tell us about your job. We'll yeah. get you on the show. How'd you get in? I think we both have the next one, but you go ahead. Golf ball diver. I do not have golf ball okay. divers. $200 a day, up to $150,000 per year. You can be the person who retrieves the golf balls from the golf course ponds. Clean them, recycle them. <clears throat> and here's the thing. You probably want to be scuba certified because you're in murky water, and in some places in the country, there's snakes and gators. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> I would not want to do that in Florida. I yeah, was just no, going to say that. I don't want to do nothing in Florida, but that's a whole other <laughs> show. Oh, I'm going to drink to that one. But how <laughs> how deep do we think the right the ponds in the golf course are and you have to be you have to like be a diver but isn't there like a big there's like the big reiki you can't see my hands isn't there like a big reiki machine that not reiki like um healing you know, reiki healing, <laughs> or like rake, something that rakes R-A-K-E. the stuff out well maybe the divers per, maybe they have their own equipment for that I imagine they yeah. must have some. They're not just jumping in there and feeling through the I mean, mud and stuff. I mean, I know that golf balls go into the water. I, I mean, I have enough um, 
Mm-hmm. But I've always wondered, how do they get that back out? How many golf balls are at the bottom of these ponds? Evidently enough Does to it make change the water? Does the water rise because there's so many golf balls on the bottom? But apparently not because there are divers that take care of that for us. And evidently it's <laughs> enough to make fucking $100,000 $100, $100, a year. $150,000 a year. I okay. thought $200 a day was a little low for that, but... If it's 150 Okay, a year, so that's I think good. you have this one too, which is fascinating. Snake milkers. Yes. What the hell? Yeah, so pharmaceutical companies need the venom of snakes to mm-hmm. produce the antivenom. Right. So they pay people to milk they they milk their fangs like mm-hmm. in their mouth of they the poisonous like, yeah, snakes, like they, rattlers and yeah, exactly. and stuff. Yeah. And it pays which I honestly think that they should get all the money, mm-hmm. $5,000 a month. Okay, I read pays up to $1,000 per gram of venom. Well, but maybe I don't know they could only get five grams get. of venom per month. Could I don't know. Be. I heard. Uh, but yeah, they need to be paid more. And here's my question is like, it seems to me like the person who does this job has to be one of two things, either... A highly educated scientist. Right. Right. Or <laughs> shriveled old cowboy Rudy who... I don't care. <laughs> I got the rat. You know, went to his little Pentecostal church in a shack in the middle of the desert and handled snakes. And I was going to say, like, or the third one is a yeah. Pentecostal snake handler, yeah. but you got both or of them he's together. Like, he's like, nobody knows how old he really is because he's looked like he was 75 since he was 30. You know, that... <laughs> Because he's just in the desert and leathered up. Maybe, and, maybe you know. the, the third one is like a goth, a goth chick who's like, I have poisonous snakes. I'm not afraid. I'm gonna. I'm not afraid of milking. Wednesday my Adams milks the snakes. Yeah, basically. I drink the venom to make me healthier. Yeah, so that could happen. But yes, Isn't that crazy. They should be paid a lot more than that. Five thousand dollars a month. That's insane. Oh my gosh. You, your death. Your your job is potentially fatal. Always. So yeah. you better be paid a lot of money for that. So anyway, uh, is it me now? Remember, I think it's you. That was I think both so, of we us both kind of had that. Yeah. So did you know? I probably that didn't. You could become an iceberg mover. Actually, I did know about that. You ice- did not. How did you know about that? Did you see that in the research? <laughs> but here's what's interesting about this. Well, that that it's a thing at all. That's interesting. But the International Ice Patrol formed the year after the Titanic sank. That that tracks. And their job, group of people, group of iceberg movers, their job <laughs> is to... The, the Iceberg <laughs> Movers <laughs> Convention, if you will. Right. But their job is to track the icebergs' locations, to find safe routes around them, and if necessary, as a last resort, tow it out of the area. But how? I have so many questions about this. Because they always say, the tip of the iceberg, there's so much more iceberg under the well, surface. And how do they move that the it? whole thing? I I. I felt the same thing because I have Iceberg Mover too. That or was do they my just next bust thing. it? Up, do they go and how long does it take? And does it? Do they bust it apart I, underneath the surface? I don't know. I wrote a fairly common practice after the Titanic, where guys will actually tow an iceberg away from popular shipping routes. But I don't understand how they tow it. I know. Uh, that's, doesn't it? You can't just throw a rope around it, you know, and tug it with a little tugger. Or, like, throw a hook into it and, like, 
it seems to me like they would have to go underneath the surface and blast at least far enough down so that the ship could pass over it safely because there's a bunch of ship under the surface too. Oh my uh, we gosh. We are confused. Darcy is an engineer. We didn't know this. <laughs> no, I'm not. no, I mean I when I'm I just how do you how? Just how? I, I yeah, how? like you said, do you put a rope around it and like, come on, I swear <laughs> you're coming with me. Do you speak to it gently and try to convince it to move out of the way? There, there. There's a nice warm spot over here for you. Or it's colder over here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand and you know, of course, I'm thinking in my head, which is not right, that I think it's like <laughs> almost a mountain, like it's all the way to the earth, uh, the sea surface, but it's not. Mm -hmm. Icebergs are just like a floating thing. Mm -hmm. I get that. But yeah, how do they do it? Do they do a big, I'm doing my hands again, people. Do they do this a big last hook? One. Yeah. And then they roll it in like a fish. I yeah. We need know. to know more. We need to know more. So okay, what else do you this have? one, and this is brilliant. And I would use this a million times. Hangover helpers, party cleaners. Oh. It's a service started by Mark Simmons. And they come to your house the night after a big party. And they deliver breakfast burritos, Gatorade. And they clean up your house and your yard after a big party. They bring you Gatorade and breakfast burritos. And then they click. We need to tell our friends Chris and Marie about yes. these I don't, Yes. Yes. <laughs> And that, or they should maybe start that business themselves. I don't know. This is brilliant. Because um, I am one of those people who, even after a big party, I hate to have a dirty kitchen. Mm -hmm. So I will clean up everything that I can. Yeah. Up until, like, the dishwasher's full and I right. have no room on my drying rack or whatever. I will do everything I can, but I have to move my table back. I have to... Yeah. Anyway, that is my my weird thing. But, mm. oh, my God, I would... That's brilliant. Yeah. That is brilliant. Do you know where this company is? Did I don't, mention? but we'll find out. Just and wondering. I'll put it in our... Um, There's got to be something like that here in L.A. People come up with, yeah. you know, those ideas and brilliant. stuff. Brilliant. But, okay, so apparently you can become a professional mermaid. What? I know. I love to be in the water all the time. <laughs> These folks are... You know, they basically do, it doesn't sound like a very consistent job, obviously, because you're hired to do parties and teach people how to swim like a mermaid. That's the job. And they can make up to $300 per hour, but to get qualified to do this, you can go to the Aqua Mermaid Training Center in Montreal for five-day training. That costs $3,800. <laughs> so oh, Canada. Like, God bless you, right. Canada. You'll find something to do with that. And I'm just kind of like, does the does the amount that you spend training for it, is that going to pay off in the end? Because it seems like it's such a specialized right. thing. You're not going to do that all year. You have to have something right. else going and on. And you have to figure that if you're going to, like, let's say a kid's birthday party, they have to have a pool. They have to have mm -hmm. a this. They have to have a... Hmm, that is super specialized, but yeah. good for those mermaids. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're one of those kids that's obsessed okay. with being a mermaid, I think there you this go. is the one that we should close out the show with. Oh, I have several more. Okay, or and not we have close time. out the show. Okay. We have time. 
Um, you go another one because I actually okay. just have one more. Okay. Which so is a good one. I have a fun little one, and then I have three disgusting ones that will take oh, we a little hear... time to explain. Oh, we want to hear the disgusting so, ones, don't we? I guess this makes sense that somebody has to be a fortune cookie writer. Right. Somebody has to I come up know with that, that stuff. Yeah. And just that they're generally freelance writers that are hired, and you can make up to $40,000 a year writing fortunes for fortune cookies. And sometimes I get me a fortune cookie, and I read it, and I go, what? Yeah. Come on. I can do better than that. So just saying, if I wasn't so lazy, I might try to figure out how to be a fortune cookie I would. I would <laughs> totally do that. Yeah. What's your? Okay, so what's your no, fun one No, I want here? mine to finish it out. Finish it go. out. All right. Then let's move into the most disgusting jobs you've ever heard of oh, situation. Nice. Oh, my gosh. I'm so yeah. glad you, you found it out. It should be known, though, that these were jobs that took place before the Industrial Revolution when options were, you know, between slim and nil. So, this job is called a fuller. Now, uh, wool is naturally waterproof because of the oils that naturally right. occur in it. So, right. it makes harvesting, carding, spinning, and weaving the wool really easy. Right. But once they make the cloth, the cloth is coarse and it's got wide mesh and it easily frays. So, to try to make that a better material they like need softer to softer yeah. yeah they need to remove the grease with an alkaline solution now can you guess back in the olden days medieval days what the most plentiful alkaline solution might be urine Stale urine. Oh, even better. Not fresh urine, but stale urine. And what they would do is they would take freshly woven lengths of wool, cloth, put it in a tub, pour the urine over it, and then stomp it with their feet. Like grapes, but like gross. Like grapes, but disgusting. And they would collect this urine from public toilets and homes. And I guess maybe people just saved their piss <laughs> wow. to give to the urine collector. And that person's job was called a fuller, which has no explanation. Urine collection. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, my God. Disgusting. I mean, I've heard of people say if you get stung by a stingray that if somebody pees on it, it's supposed yeah. to keep it from poisoning well, you. Well, yeah, jellyfish. Jellyfish. Yeah, oh, did I, I say stingray? I yeah. meant jellyfish. No, I... Yeah. And that's... Yeah. Yeah. But this is like, I mean, this, the, the level of, well, no level of sanitation. Well, you know? think about what the You're time breathing was. breathing in the they, fumes of they urine. Put, and they put, like, beauty marks on their face to cover, like, the pox that they had on right. their face. And yeah. There was, like, yeah. nothing good in that time. Nothing good. So another one, I'm going to close out with the one that, is more personal to me. But this next one is called a sin eater. Have you heard of these folks? No, I have not. Okay, so, you know, back in the olden days, 1700s, early, all, you know, whatever, um, it was believed they were very superstitious people. And they would believe that if you put, like, laid a piece of bread on a dead body, that that bread would absorb their sins. Wow. And so part of the... Uh, so somebody had to eat that bread? 
Basically, yeah. So oh, part sorry, of the I, I, no, it's okay. Part of the whole process of grieving your dead was right. that you'd get together with and drink and eat and pass the bread over the body and stuff like that, and then but the bread that was on the body, they would hire basically poor people to eat the bread, to take the sins on for themselves so that the dead person could be free of blemish and go on and have an easy purgatory, whatever. But they were basically, the, the bummer about that was that they were poor and they were forced to live in isolation because they... We're like, oh, that's a sin eater. Stay away from them. Oh, right. And they're cursed and they're blah, 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 blah. So it's just a really sad, sad socioeconomic situation that the people who were willing to do that were dreadfully poor. You know what I mean? And so super sad. Now, I guess the very last living sin eater passed away in 1906. That's not so long ago, folks. Right. His name was Richard Munslow in a town called Rattling Hope, and I forgot to look up the country. But the interesting thing about him is that he was known to be a respectable farmer and thought to be wealthy, and he chose to do this as a kindness to his members of his community. That's See, that's amazing. Like yeah. I probably I would probably do that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Mm. Okay. Well, I have one more. Do you want to still wait to use the very, very last? I do. I want mine to be the last. Okay, perfect. So here's my last one, and this one's going to take a second. If you know me, you know the first instrument I ever learned to play was the violin. So back in the days when it was a new instrument and prior to the Industrial Revolution, and you couldn't make the nylon strings that we use now. Right, cat gut. No close. And violins also at the time only had three strings. At the time, they have oh, four now. Did not know that. It was made by twisting strands of sheep innards together. Here's the process you have to, so that, yeah, the process created it, made them uh, thick enough to play the low notes. So these were for the lower strings. Okay. You'd have to carefully, carefully butcher the sheep so as not to rupture the stomach or the lower intestine because then it you just ha- all had to be intact and long long enough. yeah right, long enough and it's a and uh it would take after the butchering it would be painstaking hours of trimming fatty tissue blood vessels and muscle then they would soak the guts in a solution of wood ash so i'm assuming maybe water and ember you know cold embers from the whatever to clean it further and it has to be constantly monitored so that it didn't rot and then it would be dried and twisted into the base string wow and i just can't imagine (laughs) knowing that that's what i was laying my fingers on to play then it became for sure, it became cat guts. I mean, for Probably sure, after eventually. that. No, I mean, that was a thing that oh. violins and cellos and everything was cat gut. And now it's. Maybe it's, it graduated to cats because they needed the sheep wow. for other things. Or more cats than. But also, this thought occurred to me that back in those days before we had conveniences of machinery and stuff like that, when we butchered an animal, we used, we used eggs. All of it for everything. Well, and that's the thing I I think about, like Inuit, you know, Alaskan indigenous mm-hmm. people, and 
land. Indigenous people all over the world, you they know. They use every mm. part of the animal. I would and bless the animal before they, you know, when they killed it and say, thank you for providing for us. Well, you and know? that's Judaism, too, yeah. that, I mean, the laws of uh, kashrut, kosher, like, it's as, I mean, you have to have so many rules to kill an animal. Mm. and uh, Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so there you go. Gross so jobs. Yeah, we're gonna figure. We're gonna end this with my favorite. Okay. Panda fluffers. Oh. Well, wait. It's not like fluffing their fur. <laughs> or their junk. It's not like a porn fluffer it job. It is a porn fluffer job. It is. It is. Oh, I thought this was no. Panda Playing with pandas all day. No, panda fluffers are uh, there, and they use, like, long sticks with feathers or whatever to get the male panda aroused. Ready for getting yes, with it. they are actually fluffing wow. the male panda in Chinese zoos. There is a person who whose job is to get the male panda ready to uh, mount the female I panda. thought, but before we went to tape, we just went and cross-checked our, that we didn't have all the same things. And when you said panda fluffers, I saw in my research today panda cuddlers in 2014, China reached out to the world yeah. and said, this is a job to come and love on the baby pandas that this are This is born. not cuddler. I thought that's what you were talking about. No, Holy crap. Is, there is somebody who is in the Chinese zoos who gets the panda bounce. Wow, wow. Uh, my gosh. Well, okay, so they can't do it themselves? Like, are they... Well... You know, Are they like okay. tired all the time. Look at, no, but look at you. Okay, look at us. Like, if we were in a pen mm -hmm. and they put a guy in there mm -hmm. and they're like, you have to, you have to mate with them. I'm like, Mahi, please, oh, I can't. Performance yeah. anxiety. Okay. So, um, no, there is actually a job to get them both ready for bounce. Go, wow, wow. That's crazy pants. Can you imagine? That's an icebreaker at a party. What do you do for a living? Well, I am a panda fluffer. I get pandas ready to have sex all day. That's yeah, or, insane. And then when I don't do panda fluffing, I do chicken sexing. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. And at the I end of the day, I do my cannabis connoisseuring because I have such vivid nightmares of right. animal junk. In right. my head. I was just going to say, so my entire life is animal, ju uh, animal junk. Sorry, my, uh, uh, whatchamacallit Your mic just fell, fell off. off. That's so, okay. Okay. We love you. That's it. Thanks for listening, you guys. This is a short little show, but we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we will be back soon. Yes. Thank you. Uh, in the meantime, stay safe, stay sane. And healthy and hopeful. We love you. You've been listening to And Another Thing with Darcy and Kelly. If you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend or leave a review on the platform you're listening at. You can follow us online on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Another Thing TV. Thanks for your support. You